so I've been a pastor for a bunch of years now. And uh, even though this church is new, I got to do pastoring before. And I've consistently come back with the same question. So many people are asking me the exact same question again and again and again. And the question is, how do I, as an individual, hear from God? How do I connect to God? How is that even possible? What does that look like? And so today I want to take our first four into Luke, looking at how we connect with God. I was in a coffee shop. This was the, this was the pinnacle moment where I recognized the question. I was in a coffee shop with a person who'd been a Christian for 15 years. And they'd been, they'd been attending church and they'd be doing their own thing and, and trying to understand God. And for 15 years, they'd been, they'd been going and going and going. And they're in a meeting with me in a, in a one-on-one at Starbucks. And, uh, and he said, Rob, you're always talking about hearing from God or you're talking about connecting with God. How do you connect with God? And my answer to him gives a little bit of the, of the structure of the series. I said, I connect with God in moments of worship. I connect with God in scripture. I connect with God in community. I hear, I hear from God inside community. I hear from God um, when I pray. And I hear from God when I serve. These are what I call intersection points, places where we hear from God and where God is able to meet us. And so those connection points are so important. I, I know that um, I, I was, I was at, a, at a place where, where, you know, it's like, oh, I'm not meeting with God. I'm not connecting with God. And, and that's where God started showing me these things. And he used, honestly, um, scripture to show me this. So my question for you is, when was the last time you were in a place where you experienced God in a way that shook you, in a way that changed you? When was the last time you experienced God in a way that actually took you off guard and shaped the way that you think of something? When it comes to scripture, some people, they, they don't know how to address scripture and they, uh, they, they open up the Bible and it's full of many, many books and many words and it can be very confusing if you don't, if you don't know. And so they, they open up the Bible and they, they did what I call Bible roulette. Bible roulette's a lot of fun because you just do this. You go, oh, I'm, uh, I'm going to hear from God. Sure, this is going to work. And they open up their Bible and they go, there, that's it. Well, this guy, his verse was, uh, and Judas hung himself. Well, that's not helpful. <laughs> and so he's like, no, 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 that, that, no, 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 that's not good. So then he, then he, he went back and he was like, I'll do it again, okay? You know, might as well. And so he, he did it again. There. He picked the other side of the book, right? Not this one, this one. It was a proverb, and it said, go and do likewise. <laughs> You're like, no, don't put those together. Bad. We can't read the Bible by just opening up and pointing. It doesn't work. We can't, we can't hear God in Scripture that way. So the question that I want to ask today is, how 
does Jesus experience God in Scripture? Before we get into that, we're going to just take a simple look at Luke and how he wrote his book. Um, Luke's book is written very uh, specifically. Luke is a historian, but he has a goal. His goal is actually to unite the, the Gentile people who are coming to believe in Jesus after Jesus' death and resurrection. He is coming to unite those people who are believing in Jesus with the Jewish believers. And he's writing um, a few years after Jesus' ascension. And so he's seeing the tension in this new developing church. He's seeing the struggles of, of there's the Gentile Christian and the Jewish Christian, and there are very separate camps. There's a lot of pressure happening there and a lot, of, a lot of disunity. And so Luke recognizes this and he goes, okay, so let's do something about it. One of the, uh, one of the people that I was reading while I was studying for this sermon series, was his name is Luke Timothy Johnson. He's a, he's a writer and a professor. And he said, Luke intentionally ties up the whole story of the Old Testament in the first four chapters of Luke as to assure the new converts that God is faithful, that God did not abandon Israel, but fulfilled all the promises made to Israel in the person of Jesus, who has offered you a way to know the same God. And so Luke is very intentional. The first four chapters of the Gospel of Luke are very Jewish in style and in appreciation because he's reaching out to the people who are saying, I know how to approach this God. I've got the way it's done. And he's reaching out to them and he's saying, okay, and that God has been faithful and he fulfilled everything in the person of Jesus. And now Jesus is offering it to the whole world. This same God, this access to the same God is now being offered to the entire world because of the work of Jesus. And that is Luke's point. So our question today is, how does Jesus experience God in Scripture? Jesus immersed himself in Scripture. This is the first thing that we know, and we know it very early in the book of Luke. In Luke chapter 2, we hear the story of Jesus going to the temple when he was 12, and that's significant. Because by the time Jesus goes to the temple when he's 13, when he's hitting his, his bar mitzvah, he is expected to have the first five books of what is our Bible today memorized in Hebrew. So not only does he have to memorize Torah, he has to memorize it in a, in a tongue that is not his native tongue. And so Jesus immerses himself in Scripture. At 12, he would have been well involved in the immersion into Scripture. David, the psalmist and the king, wrote, your word I have hidden in my heart that I might not sin against you. Jesus is in process of hiding scripture in his heart. I'm not actually very uh, repetitive in my Christian disciplines. I, I do a lot of Christian disciplines. Um, I'm not a person that says you have to, have to, have to read your Bible every single day because if you don't, oh, you're not a good Christian. I am a strong believer that we need to hide God's word in our heart. A strong believer that, that it needs to be right at the front of our heart and mind. And Jesus says, whatever comes out of your heart 
that we speak out of the overflow of our heart. And so if it, for me, it means I oftentimes sit and I read scripture and I just keep on going and going and going and going and going and going. And I just, I just like binge read scripture. Like some of you binge read, binge watch TV shows. I binge read scripture, but I don't do it every day. And I just, and then I meditate on it and I mull it over and I think about it and it drives deep into my heart. Maybe for some people you're judging me because I don't read scripture every day. For other people, you're actually feeling liberated. But what I do is I drive it into my heart. And I want to encourage each one of us, like Jesus did, immerse ourselves in scripture. Immerse ourselves because that is one way Jesus knew scripture. When we see him in Luke uh, 2, verse 46, which is magically on the next page, right here, beautiful. It says, after three days, his parents found him in the temple when he was supposed to be going home. He was supposed to be on his way home with his whole family, and he stayed behind and he sat at the temple. And they saw him in the temple sitting among the teachers, listening to them and asking questions. And all who heard him were amazed at his understanding and his answers. And his answers. Jesus had immersed himself in scripture to the point that he was able to actually answer the highest of the rabbinical people sitting in a circle in the temple. At 12, at 12, he's meeting with God in scripture. Jesus experienced God's direction and his provision by knowing scripture as well. Whoa. It's good. Jesus experienced God's provision and direction. So in Luke chapter 4, as you can see, we're going to fly through the gospel of Luke together. Luke chapter 4, verses 1 to 13, you'll also see it in your tablet. If you click today's message, you'll actually be able to follow along. It's there as well. We hear of the temptation. And I'm actually going to read the story because I think it's important because we see a lot of scripture interaction here. And Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan. and He was led by the Spirit into the wilderness for 40 days. Being tempted by the devil, and he ate nothing during those days. When they were ended, he was hungry. And the devil said to him, if you're the son of God, command the stone to become bread. And Jesus answered him, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone. Jesus experiences provision. And the devil took him and showed him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment's time. And he said to him, I will give you all the authority and all of the glory. For it's been delivered to me and I give it to whoever I want. If you then will worship me, it will all be yours. And Jesus said, it's written. You shall, love the, you shall worship the Lord your God and him only will you serve. And he took him to Jerusalem and he set him on the pinnacle of the temple and he said to him, if you're the son of God, throw yourself down from here for it's written, he'll command his angels concerning you to guard you and on, your hand, on their hands they will bear you up lest you strike your foot against the stone. And Jesus answered him and said, it, and said, you shall not put the Lord your God to the test. 
And when the devil had ended every temptation, he departed from him until an opportune time. Jesus experiences God's provision through this moment where he hasn't eaten for 40 days. Is there anybody in this room who has done a 40-day fast? I actually know that there is at least one, um, and it wasn't me. But that's a long time to go without food. I wouldn't even suggest it. And, and so, so 40 days, and clearly the temptation is, I just need to eat. I need to eat. And he's determined that the word of God is going to be provision. It's going to be enough for him. It's going to be enough. He also experiences direction. You'll, you'll notice that, that this actually echoes Israel's story. So the bread is Israel complaining in the desert that they don't have enough food. It's kind of an interesting parallel there. Jesus is in the desert, and he's tempted to make the same complaint that Israel did. The next one is, is the idea that God has promised so much. He's promised to make everything right. To the Israelites who's walking through the desert, you know, the promise is, I'm going to make everything right. And, and God goes, okay, so um, you're going to do it my way, and you're not going to have any idols and Israel failed. They put idols up and they said they were going to do it their way. And so here is Jesus being shown that he actually has the opportunity given to him by the devil, given to him to make everything right. You can rule the entire earth and do everything right now. You can make everything right. You just have to worship me. And, and Jesus resists the temptation to fall as Israel fell and refuses to worship another god. And then testing God is, is where, where Israel just consistently tested God and tested his patience. And so we see, we see Jesus refusing to fall into that temptation. And so Jesus is fulfilling all the things that Israel failed in, Jesus is fulfilling in the wilderness experience. And Luke puts that there on purpose, but he, he does it all through the authority of Scripture. Finally, Jesus understood his calling and his vocation through the lens of Scripture. And this is really important. In uh, chapter 4, verse 16, Jesus walks into a synagogue. And it says, As he came to Nazareth, where he'd been brought up, as was his custom, he went to the synagogue on the Sabbath day, and he stood up to read. The way the synagogue was shaped was, it was in a square room, kind of a house size. And in the middle of the room, there would have been a table with all of the scrolls of Torah and wisdom and writings that they had at that place. And so this one in Nazareth had a bunch of scrolls sitting in the table. And there would have been benches around the outside of the, of the entire room, except for at the doorway where people come in. And the benches would have been where all of the men of the, of the community would come and they would sit and they would discuss the readings. They would, in community, hear the voice of God. And we'll get back to that. And so, and so Jesus comes into that setting, and it says that he picked up one of the scrolls to read. And the scroll which he, which, which he chose was of the prophet Isaiah. It was given to him. And he unrolled the scroll, and he found the place where it was written. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to proclaim the good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives and recover the sight of the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, and to, procl- oh, sorry, and to proclaim the year 
of the Lord's favor. As he rolled up the scroll and gave it back to the attendant, he sat down and the eyes of the whole synagogue were fixed on him. And he began to say to them, today, this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. What he did in that moment is he took the scripture and he claimed it as this is my identity and my calling. This is who God has called me to be. And he pulled it straight from scripture. Pulls it straight from scripture. And so we see that Jesus has now experienced God through immersion in scripture. He's experienced God's direction in the moment and his provision through scripture, and through scripture, Jesus has also experienced a calling and a vocation. So the question that it begs for us today is how does this affect us? How does it affect us as a community? How do we, how does our community experience God in scripture? Well, one of the crazy things is, is that passage that I just gave you where Jesus stood up in the synagogue and he read this identification of himself a messianic, we, we call it a messianic picture. He read it right from scripture. He saw his vocation in it and it affected the community instantly. So what happens in the next little bit in, in verses uh, 22 to 30 is actually what happens to us as we read scripture as a community so often. They rejected the revelation of God that came through scripture they questioned and they said, no way. No way, that's not true. That's not the way that I understand scripture to be. That's not it. And they got angry. And they were offended and pushed away from the revelation of scripture in the community. (sighs) The revelation of God in scripture will change us. I had a professor and he said what seemed to be really simple but it wasn't. It was profound. He said, we cannot, as a community, let ourselves form scripture through our lens and our interpretation. We must let scripture form us. We have to let scripture form us. He said it much better than I just did. He said, we must, we must be formed by scripture and avoid forming scripture to ourselves. My, my dad raised me. Um, I remember one of the first lessons he taught me. And he, he taught me this amazing moment. I think I was like five. And I think I was five because of the house I was living in in this memory. So that's why I've got the age down. And I was in the living room. And, and I remember when I was five, I used to stare at my dad's lips when he was talking. And I remember him saying, Rob, your mom and I are not going to get everything right in life. We're not going to get it right. We're going to try our hardest, but we're not going to get it right. And he reached out to the left of him and he grabbed his Bible and it was like this black leather bound Bible with the gold holy Bible written on the front and gold coated pages, you know, and it was like, oh, this is such a pretty book. And he said, this will never get it wrong. This does not get it wrong. And I remember that early lesson. I remember it. And he said, Rob, when, when other stories contradict, this is the truth of God over thousands of years. He said, if I were to ever tell you to go steal a chocolate bar, you can say no to me because it's better to obey God than to obey a person. 
and he drove that into me as truth. Scripture defines us as who we are. So how do I experience God in Scripture? I experience God through comfort and provision. I told you I binge read Scripture. I lead a pretty busy life, and I think that a lot of us in this culture do. And so what happens is I, is I get to the Word, and, and, and it's like I haven't had a drink for a long time, and I open up the Bible, and I start reading, and then something in me goes, oh, okay, good. And, I get, and there's peace. And I just want more of that peace, and so I keep on reading it and reading it. And there are times that I look at scripture verses and I go, I don't, I don't get what that means. But I do understand the peace that's happening. And so I just keep on going. And so I experience God's comfort and provision. Because in those busy times of life, sometimes what I need is rest. And I would, I would suggest that sometimes what we need as a culture is rest. And I believe we find that here on Sundays. And I believe that we find that when we read our scripture. I also experience God through the revelation of God. And what I mean by that is we don't know God apart from Scripture. Every Christian doctrine is built on Scripture. Everything that we hold so dear doesn't exist outside of the writing of Scripture. And so we understand God through Scripture. And we understand the mission of God. See, God has been doing one thing for a very long time. And it's a wonderful thing. What God has been doing through history is showing himself. And truly, when I think about this, if God is so great, like we say he is, if God really does exist then that God must be beyond our comprehension. He must be bigger than me. He must be outside of me. If God is genuinely as capable as we, as the Christian faith professes, then God must be bigger. And it becomes impossible for me to reach to that God. Because that God exists in dimensions that I do not even understand. C.S. Lewis said, it's like if you were a two-dimensional item, a two-dimensional drawing on a page. Even if you were given life, you could never understood, understand a third dimension. You could never aspire to get the idea of depth as two dimension. And that is true for us. We are the equivalent of a two-dimensional object and God is the equivalent of a three-dimensional object and God is way greater than us. If that is true, then God must be on a mission to reveal himself. God condescends. He comes down from his place of superiority. He comes down so that we can understand him. He comes down in the person of Jesus Christ so that we can get it. God-man, Jesus Christ, revealed in Scripture. 
My prayer is today, as, as God meets with us in Scripture, my prayer is that I have driven us to curiosity. I've driven us to read the Scripture. I've driven us to a point of peace and provision. My point is today from the Gospel of Luke to suggest that God meets with us. The almighty, all-powerful God has invested years in revealing himself to us. And so I choose to honor him by reading the works that he inspired. And uh, I hope you do too. I hope that that's a blessing to each one of you. We're going to close in a word of prayer. If you have had questions, um, then we know that you can, you can even submit them now or whatever. And uh, we're going to be addressing them in a few weeks at a, uh, at a community discussion, a forum. And uh, that's going to be great. Our next message on Luke is going to be dealing with God meeting us in community. And so uh, let me just pray and then we will exit with a song. God, thank you so much for your grace and your community and your love and your scriptures. Thank you so much that you have invested the time to condescend that you initiate contact, that you initiate relationship, and that you call us to relationship. And Jesus, if there are people here today that are realizing that they need this deeper relationship with you, God, I pray that they would be willing, that we would be willing to dive in and to seek to understand your revelation in your scripture. Thank you for the Gospel of Luke. In Jesus' name, amen.